May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Welcome to the Calvary Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Episcopal Church recorded live in Memphis. The Calvary Podcast is weekly sermons, but also conversations, reflections, and provocations about the mystery of God and what it means to be human in the world in need of repair. Poor Peter. I mean, it was only last week that he and Jesus had a real moment together. See, Jesus has been making a name for himself. It's not altogether a good one. Sure, people know who he is, but the room gets quiet when he walks in. The people cough and look away and do some, some do that thing where they make a loud, unrelated statement to try and make it look like they haven't just been talking about him. People in his hometown snub him, say he's getting a big head. Teenage girls giggle and point when he walks by. The mysteries of their affections known sometimes to themselves and never to others. Jesus has started avoiding walking by the police. And after that bad business with the pigs and the cliff, the pork industry has him labeled as some fanatic Jewish PETA activist. Jesus, under the weight of the whispers, sits down with his friends. You guys hear people talking about me. What are they saying? His group of friends does their own coughing, shuffling, eye-avoiding ritual as they mentally filter out some of the harsher details. Well, a whole lot of folks think you're some kind of prophet, Bartholomew offers. Yeah, says James, and a few say you're Elijah reincarnated. Andrew, now gaining courage, blurts out, or even John the Baptist, back from the dead. They frown at Andrew. Now, how do you figure that? John literally just died, and Jesus has been around this entire time. Did he just transmogrify suddenly into Jesus? And they began to bicker. Jesus speaks up again. But who do you think that I am? The plaintive vulnerability of the man they aspire to be is too much for the group until Peter finally speaks up. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. You folks at home know the story. Bingo, right answer. Jesus blesses Peter, tells him he is Cephas, the rock on which he will build his church. Numero uno here have these keys to the kingdom. Now, without getting into the abuses of power, men have justified on the basis of that verse alone, without pointing out that being handed the keys to the kingdom includes zero provision for Peter's successors, or the damage that has been done to the church from interpreting that verse within an inch of its life until you get infallibility for a guy in Rome without delving into the injustice of emphasizing one man's power from one single verse over the tomes of verses that bless the lame, the blind, the weak, the brokenhearted. 
without getting into any of that, lest you think I am irreparably reformed in my ecclesiology, let's just leave it that at last week, Peter had a moment. Not only was he right, he was handed the keys to the kingdom. Now, interpretations of this verse tend to forget that the keys are actually yanked from Peter in the next story more quickly than the keys were yanked from your teenage hands when you tried to sneak in past curfew only to hear the unmistakable clearing of your father's throat who has been sitting in the dark for hours, mounting in anger. That is how quickly these keys disappear from the hands of Peter. In our story today, Jesus starts to expand on what messiahship means. He says it looks like suffering. Discipleship looks like dying. Talk about a mood killer. Now, Peter has kind of let the new keys thing go to his head a little bit. He puts those keys in the ignition, revs the engine a little bit, tells Jesus to get in and ride, lighten up a bit. Bro, God loves you. Don't say such things. He's got a good plan for your life. Poor Peter. You saw what happened. In one week, what did you say? From rock to stumbling block? Uh, uh, Superman to Satan man? From Pope to Nope? One week? The point is... What Peter just said he believed about Jesus wasn't enough. You believe in Jesus as the Messiah, great. But what sort of Messiah is it that you believe in? What sort of God is it that you believe in? What are you going to do with that belief? See, Satan in scripture is not the embodiment of all evil like we tend to think. Satan is not so much a name as a description, right? Not of evil, but of tempting, of deception, of offering another way, an easier way, something less painful and more convenient and just as effective with half of the cost. With Satan's way, you just have to lie a little to get there. Cut the corners, inflate the numbers, turn a blind eye. Jesus isn't calling Peter evil. He's calling him a tempter. And it is tempting, isn't it? To think the Christian life ought to be where suffering can't reach you. Rather than the place you'll experience it more fully than anywhere else, where your picture-perfect narrative will be completely disrupted because you're asked to look at the brokenness and go towards it and put your hands in it to dig into this thing that you do just about anything to avoid. And I do mean both the brokenness in the world and in you. Of course, the Christian story is that it's in that place where you find God. Any other way of describing Christianity is a deception. A young friend of mine is losing her faith. 
She was raised in much the same kind of vague form of Christianity that I was. No church, just a belief in a loving God who made everything and sent good people to heaven and bad people to hell, and we were good people, so don't worry. Like all of us, she grew old enough to ask the question of why bad things happen to good people if God is so great and so loving. And unlike you all, she doesn't know where to turn with questions like these. And happily for her, unlike me at her age, she isn't single-mindedly obsessed enough with the question to dedicate everything to finding its answer. There are faiths worth losing. There are faiths one has to lose in order to grow up even a little, painful and disorienting as it is. Personally, I went towards deism after losing that particular faith, that clockwork God who wound up the universe and then let it go and leaves it ticking on in the way as it will. But the person of Jesus, even then, wouldn't leave me alone. The God who suffers with us. The God who brings resurrection out of the most dead parts of our lives. I lived long enough to see that pattern and then to begin to trust it. And every once in a while now, I can trust it even when it's not completely after the fact. What sort of God is it that you believe in? What will you do with that belief? If you're curious about Calvary Episcopal Church, we are an eclectic bunch of Christian people who don't all think the same thoughts or dress the same way or vote for the same candidates or even believe all the same things about the mystery of God and what it means to be human. But we do believe that we need each other because of our differences, not in spite of them, and that God calls us into unity, not uniformity. Subscribe to the Calvary Podcast at calvarymemphis.org podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit Calvary in person at the corner of 2nd and Adams in the heart of downtown Memphis, Tennessee.